When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. My name is Louis Mendez and joining me uh, online to look ahead to Sunday's trip uh, up to Sinsel Bank to take on uh, Lincoln City. First up, we've got Mr. Lewis Cat. How you doing, Luke? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. How's your, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been all right, mate. It's been all right. It's, it's been bizarre, actually, because I think it's the first week in a while where we've not had a game midweek. So, <laughs> a bit bored midweek. But, um, yeah. yeah, looking forward to, to Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to it. our first game uh, in the league with Lincoln since 1961. A man who I'm sure already knew that stat, of course, and Nathan Muller. How you doing, Nath? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Living the dream. Yeah, as always. Uh, as always. Yeah, how's your football manager save going? Because when I spoke to you last night, you were in you were in bad spirits with that. Yeah, no, it was a bit of a nightmare. To be fair, I mean, I kept us up uh, first season with that two games to go, and I'm about ninth now and about 15 games in, but. Bose keeps coming out in the press saying that I'm overachieving and I'm going to fall away. So me and him are having a bit of a, a public w- uh, war of words at the moment. So um, apart from that, oh, when Johnny Williams liked to release him because he turned down my contract, so I just released him. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I was shocked to find out that you booted not only Lee Bayer, but also Johnny Jackson out of the club just to, to, to get the job. And Johnny Williams, you let go. Not quite as bad as Tom Wallin, who we found out last night has spent uh, just under £70 million on, on four years' worth of Johnny Williams including a £45 million transfer fee and, and his wages. So some, some crazy spending going on in that game. But your, your, um, your, your lack of respect for Johnny Jackson and Lee Bowyer in, in the virtual world is uh, very disappointing, Nath. Uh, well, I mean, with Bose, it was like, you know, he's, he started having a car me and I'm doing well with Charlton, Dan, Dan there. And I mean, Jacko, I offered him the under-23s manager role and he said no. Um, well, that's a bit but, of a kick uh, in the teeth. Yeah, I won't sack you. You can go work with the kids again. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, apart from that, mate, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing all right at the moment. Good, it's a good to much see changed the, team. Yeah, good to see the virtual Charlton is run just as badly as real Charlton. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so on the, on tonight's show, we will be looking ahead, like I say, to that game uh, with Lincoln City up at Sinsel Bank on Sunday. Don't forget it's a Sunday because Lincoln, uh, they're playing Liverpool tonight uh, on, the, on the night we record on Thursday. So hopefully they'll be knackered uh, by the time we, we head up there on, uh, on, on Sunday. We're going to hear from Mark Wiley uh, from the Lincoln Shear Echo. I spoke to him last night just to gauge how Lincoln have started this season they've started it very well uh, just to understand from a Lincoln point of view how they're looking ahead to the game we'll also talk, well, talk a little bit about the takeover I guess not not too much in, in the way of updates but we have heard from Thomas Sangard uh, overnight uh, on Twitter uh, try and delve into what he's talking about and then of course a setback uh, that we've uh, found out is that there will be no fans in stadiums for the foreseeable future. That game against Doncaster last weekend looks like it was a, a bit of a one-off, uh, unfortunately, so we'll chat about that as well. So let's head straight into takeover talk. I guess that is the talk of the town at the moment, Lewis. Um, you know, we're all eager, waiting for updates, but last night there was, uh, you know, I mean, 
Thomas, again, he spoke to a newspaper at the start of the week. He spoke to The Sun, saying he hoped to get the deal done Monday, Tuesday. I mean, I've learned to sort of take that with a bit of a pinch of salt, unfortunately. And you can't, obviously, knock Thomas's uh, enthusiasm for getting the deal done. But it's always the same stumbling block that we come to. And this is what Thomas has said on Twitter last night. Wanted to give fans an update. Discussions have been moving forward positively so far. However, the property piece remains an obstacle. If we can't agree immediately, the players we have lined up to sign will go elsewhere, and that would ruin our season. I personally don't want to be part of a scenario where we cannot sign the players lined up. Let's get this done. So, Lewis, I mean, we we we've, we come to expect it now, but another snag it would appear yeah yeah it seems like we're full of them at the moment doesn't it I mean like like you say there it's kind of um it gets quite frustrating with the with the timelines that are set out in the press and like you I've just sort of teaching myself to not really take it too seriously and just and just wait and see what happens because there are just so many parties involved with with the football club and and the transaction of handing that football club over to somebody else you've kind of got to jump through numerous loopholes and and hurdles you've got Roland with the property as as we've discussed there which is a stumbling block that the negotiation was set out by another party in in Matt Southall and ESI 1 if you like and then you've got the obvious injunction going on from ESI 2 with with Paul Elliott and the Lex Dom, uh, the Lex Dominus party thing that's going on there so there are so many people involved that it's just one big mess really and I I really do appreciate Thomas's enthusiasm and and you know he's come into he's been to the games he's he's been present on social media he's been open talking to fans on many different platforms which is you know it's positive and it's something we've always wanted from from a potential owner um but the problem with that is people's expectations are raised because we've had our sort of our hands burnt so many times with this and we had it with with Southall when when he came in he was sort of the the personality and he was with the fans and he was spending time with the trust and you're seeing everything positive from an outside and then obviously we we all know how that's ended not for one second do i believe that thomas is is in any way uh going down the same road as, as matt southall i think we can safely say that but what the the thing is i think because he's so positive and and you know in the in the public eye with this and and so open with supporters that People are getting more and more desperate for it to happen. And obviously, when this takeover happened last time with, with ESI 1, we didn't have the same restrictions as we do now With in terms of the transfer embargo and and not being able to strengthen a squad. We still had you know, all, a limited budget, albeit, but we still managed to bring in enough players to be competitive under Roland. But now we're in a, in a far worse position than we were. And we we have no way of bringing players in. And, and we saw on Saturday against Doncaster just how much that is affecting us because... Ultimately, the numbers aren't there and we're going to really struggle to compete this season unless something changes and changes very quickly. Mm, it's, it's that same stumbling block we see every time, isn't it, Nathan? We're talking about takeovers over the course of the last few years. And, um, you know, every every person who came on the scene, you know, the Aussies, Mehmet Dalman, it all seemed to fall apart when they actually had to speak to, to Roland. Obviously, when ESI first came in, we're thinking, oh, great, Roland's gone, but obviously he's still got his claws in the club in the form of the stadium. Um, he has this deal, don't forget, between ESI 1 and, and, and himself. That, you know, much was talked about how there was a £50 million clause, but taking in various bonuses, and I was told today, and that goes up to £62 million. <laughs> I'm hearing this thinking, well, wow, that's in- incredible. And then 
I was speaking to someone who who's no longer interested in buying the club, but but who who did go into some form of negotiations with Roland today. I mean, they they told me that they were planning. They they uh made made a bid of you're looking at not too far off that fifty million pounds. Which in which as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's that's crazy. But Roland turned it down. So it clearly. <laughs> Roland seems to think because he has this deal with ESI One, who would never in a million years have been able to pay that, in his mind, that is what the value is worth. And he's a stubborn old git, isn't he? And I fear that he's really going to drag this one out. I mean, we've been saying it for years, Nath. Surely he has to see sense at some point. But it doesn't look like, judging by what Thomas said last night, that we're quite there yet. No, I mean, I mean, with Roland, he's like you say, he's hanging on to it because he's got, you know, he's got a bit of paper or a contract or whatever to say that he's going to get this money from whether or not they can pay it or not. Um, so if he's going to sort of go back on that and then agree a new deal, he's not going to agree to a deal that makes him worse off, so to speak. You know, um, I think buying a club. It's it's pretty straightforward because you're just it's more of the, the operational stuff and it's it's the it's the cash flow and obviously just making it that, that we can fund ourselves really. The problem where it all comes about is when you're looking at assets and the stadium is an asset and that's what, what what's worth a lot of money and that's why he's going to hang on to it. But like you say, it was always going to be this bit um, that's going to be a sticky point. It's never going to be for the club. It's not like. Um, we're we're full of we've got loads of investors that are outbidding each other to buy the club, um, and I think that's what the problem is: is that you've got one one seller, one buyer, and if there if there is a sticking point, then something's got to give somewhere, and it's either in theory Roland drops his price, or he 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 goes back on his deal that he's already got, or Thomas overpays the odds somewhat, um, or the other way is is that he buys the club. But, and then let's Roland keep the asset and then he has to rent it or whatever. It's similar but, to what Rondo's done at Palace. But yeah, I mean, but that the, doesn't, so that's not economical for Thomas. Yeah. Well, and, and doing it that way, I mean, the, the only thing I, I, I'm not sure if I've got this wrong, but surely if you buy ESI, then you buy that agreement. So if you buy, if you buy the club and, and ESI and, and ESI has this 50 million pound agreement with Roland already, well, surely it'll get to a stage where he, he will call that in. I, 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 maybe I've misunderstood that, but. There's absolutely no need for Roland to renegotiate if you've bought ESI and therefore the deal that comes with it. That's that's well, that that's the way I understand it. I'm sure if someone can message me and tell me I'm wrong on that, then then then, then feel free. But it, I mean, it, it's it's tough, isn't it? I mean, Thomas had talked previously, Nate, as you said, about maybe mm. doing a deal for just the club and not the yeah. stadium. But mm. I, you know, if that was possible, and we haven't even mentioned so far this evening, of course, the uh, the uh, the the injunction that the presumably is stopping that still um it, it just goes to show how complex this deal is and and why it's dragging on and on and on and we're getting closer and closer and closer to when that transfer window is going to close well exactly and, and, and just quickly going back on to the uh to the deal itself the reason that that roland probably sold it in the first place is that it was too good to be true that someone offered him that much money to buy the stadium so now he's got that agreement and thomas buys esi if that's what's going to happen He's probably looked at it and go, there's no way, way on earth it's worth that money. So again, something's got to give. But I mean, if he was going to rent it, that's just dead money. It's more, He's more or less paying dead money to fund the club as it is on the operating losses. But to then just give money to Roland 
every month or every year or whatever to because he can't they can't agree on a deal. He's just throwing money down the drain from Thomas, and the only way he's going to get at that is if he gets to the Premier League. And the only way you're going to get to the Premier League is looking at good two, three, maybe four years of heavy investment, and you're still chasing a pipe dream. Look at all that. Look at Derby. Look at Sheffield Wednesday. You know it's not guaranteed. So that's that's I think where where it's going to come unstuck, and something's got to give. But it, like you said, it's such a complex situation and I know I've seen people um messaging him and all that and I know let people do what they got to do but for me it's like you know when you're in a car and you're with kids and you're going away and they're like going are we there yet are we there yet are we yeah that you know what I mean and it's just like I'm sure if he does not if, if something happens the guys at the club or some something will be done um and I just think that's what make it what's making it more frustrating because People are going day by day thinking something's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to be a day. I think you're looking at weeks. And I think we said just off air just now that it wouldn't surprise us if if it goes beyond the transfer window. It's not ideal. Of course it ain't. But it wouldn't surprise me if it goes like this. Because like you say, it's such a complex situation. And there's so many so many elements that probably a lot of us don't even know uh, from the outset. That we're looking at it and go, well, you know, it's the deal. But there's probably all the little tidbits as well that... What they can't discuss because of NDAs or whatever, um, but yeah, it's just it's just madness. And I've said all along, and I it's just boring now. It's so boring. I just want to focus on the football. And you, we'll go on it later, but we can't even do that at the moment. So it's just a bit rubbish at the moment. Um, but uh, we never do anything smoothly, do we? So just we just got to hope and pray that something gives in the situation or the standoff or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? I could only I, the entire time you're answering that, all I could think of, I wonder where Nathan's been going in the car with random children. But um, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll come back to that <laughs> later. Um, Lewis, my my fear is, does he go? Does Thomas Sangard go the distance? So far, obviously, the indications are that he will. He's he's stuck around this long. You know, he's 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 flown to and from the US to to come and watch games. He's he's spoken to fans. He's spoken to press. He's spoken to everyone, and he is determined to get this deal done. But you know, even 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 the best of us have been worn down by Roland's antics over the years, and I fear that that happens next with Thomas. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's it's going to be a concern, definitely. The whole the whole time that this deal isn't tied up, there's always going to be that concern that he will be put off by it by Roland. We we know, as we've said already, he's a tough negotiator and and stubborn, and we we didn't really. Yeah, he didn't give us the best time, but we've we've obviously protested. And you could almost look at it and think that he could be doing this as a bit of a personal attack, really, a bit of revenge for for what we all went through over that period when he was in charge. But Thomas has has shown all the sort of the right signs that he is in this for the long haul. Um, he's really invested into the club and and everything as well. But my my concern is that the whole time that he is negotiating and trying to get this deal over the line, it is already costing him money. You know, he's already travelling over from the US on, this, I think, what's his second trip now that he's been here. You've also got the whatever he's um, paying for the for the Freshfield lawyers to sort of look through things to try and get this deal over the line as well. That's not going to come cheap. So he's already investing into trying to get this deal done. But it's just, you know, how long does he view this as a, as a potential opportunity to get it through over the line? Or does he look at it like almost, you know, you're trying to flog a dead horse and we're just not going to get there because there are so many hurdles, as I say already, and so many parties to to negotiate and overcome and, and unfortunately those parties ahead of Thomas, the likes of Roland and ESI one and two, are gonna want their their cut of the crust. And 
although ESI 1 and 2, you could say, have put little to nothing into the club. Paul Elliott's claiming he's put in however much to keep the running costs going and keep the club uh, going and bills paid and everything. We say that nothing was invested by Tanoon when he was here. But people are going to want their fair cut of, of whatever they've put into it. And there are a lot of obstacles before this gets cleared. And ultimately, as, as Nate said there, I, I just can't see anything being possible until this court hearing's out of the way and the injunction's gone because ultimately the Roland thing is going to be the hardest part to negotiate. Actually handing the club over from ESI to, to Thomas, taking the injunction out of it should be an easy process. You know, it should it should work for all parties. There's no way that Paul Elliott wants to be in this for the long run. You can't tell me that he does. He's not shown any any sort of intent to do that. And Tanoon wanted to get rid as soon as the, the fallout became public. And it's that side of it should be the easy side. And you can almost come to Ronan later and negotiate what comes with that agreement with, with purchasing the Valley and Sparrows Lane. But unfortunately, this injunction now is preventing us from getting the important first step out of the way and making us, you know, be able to focus on the football on the pitch and just let this happen in the background when it comes to the assets. But because of that injunction at the moment, we're completely stuck and everything on the pitch now is going to, is going to, uh, you know, as con- consequence of that is going to suffer because we do not have a competitive squad to compete at the end of the table that Lee Bowyer and Johnny Jackson want our squad to be at. And if we do want to get to that position, then this injunction needs to be lifted and something needs to be sorted so that we can compete for now and get the the assets and that complication out of the way over a longer period of time. But at the moment, I just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'd say a few weeks ago, I was optimistic when we were both at <clears throat> both at QPR doing the um, you know when I was commentating for the Checker Trade game at Wimbledon. I felt like that was maybe the first step in the right direction. And twenty four hours later, we're we're looking at another appeal, and then the injunction comes in place two weeks after that. So there are so many frustrations and, you know, Charlton fans are going to be sick of it. As Nave said, you, you want to focus on the football, but ultimately the future of the football club at the moment is at stake, not just because of this, but because of the what we're going to talk about later with fans and everything as well. And it's a really delicate time for a football club at our level and all this uncertainty off the pitch is not going to help one bit. Yeah, and it still doesn't bear thinking about, I guess, Nathan, uh, what what would happen if if Thomas did decide enough was enough and pulled out. And like I said, there's, there's no indication currently, but that's always that's always the fear. Um, well, one one question we we should ask, I guess, Nathan, is you know I, I mentioned earlier often there's been a a timeline sort of put on it by 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 Thomas himself when we've spoken to him and you know I spoke to him after that temporary after the first injunction hearing at the QPR game. Um, and he talked about hoping to get it done by the end of that week. And then we spoke to him on the Saturday and he said he'd extended his stay and he was hoping to get it done by that week. And then he was hoping to get, get it done by West Ham and have enough players in. Then he was hoping to get it done Monday, Tuesday this week. He said in the sun, do you think, do, do you think Tom, Thomas maybe ought to stop saying that <laughs> because it's getting the people maybe more concerned? I mean, this is the first time today or last night. It's the first time where he, he's sort of, talked about something being a real obstacle um and, and not said you know but we'll still have it done in the next few days do, do, you, do you think thomas would be wise to maybe just sort of tone it down slightly and just keep things a little bit more realistic or do you think you know, that that might be just the the american in him you know the danish american in him he's, he's get up and go get everything done in the next five minutes uh yeah well i think no one can doubt his um his enthusiasm um i think if it was a um I would say if it was any other club and then I was going to stop myself, but no, I'll go with that. If it was any other club and any other takeover, he probably would have just 
went in the background, done the business, done the deal, and he would have come out and it would have been a happy days. For me, I think the only reason he's come out is for him to be shown publicly his interest in the, in my opinion, in the thought process that it might sway the legal case of getting the deal done and just getting the whole thing sorted sooner. That's what I think he's done. Um, Because if you look back at the beginning, like you were saying, he was coming out saying this and that, and it was all great, blah, 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 blah. But then since the second injunction thing, he's gone sort of, yeah, he's saying he's coming over, but he's that sort of enthusiasm's waned a little bit. Um, not because I'm saying he's he doesn't want the club. I'm just saying I think he's probably realised he's only he can he can only do so much now, um, and it is down to the fact that he's now got to agree a price. But yeah, I, it's difficult. I mean, it, it's, there's every chance to that he can pull out. But for me, I think that he's in, he's an enthusiastic person. He's built his business up from nothing. You can tell he's quite extrovert in terms of the old David Brent guitar sort of scenario and stuff but well he doesn't do that but uh, he just reminds me of David Brent but um yeah he's obviously out there but he's a he's a shrewd businessman and I think he's he just mainly done it just to try and force the issue a little bit from the legal perspective which it was it wouldn't work the over here law's law over there they were bonkers over there anyway but um yeah, I, we just have to wait and see, mate. The thing that bugs me with the whole thing is, it's the in, the injunction. It is what it is. The thing that annoys me is the the Paul Elliott the director's test or whatever it is. Because if he passed it, we probably would get players in. But that's not even being done. So you can't even go right, pass him, let him get the players in, and then you can sort it after whenever that is, November, December, January, whenever. Because then we can still sign players. I think that's the main thing is that we're not able to get players in to challenge. Not that, yeah, we all want a nice owner. Yeah, but the first and foremost is the pitch and what happens on the pitch. Um, but that can't even happen. And it looks like they're they're exclu- they're, they're mutually exclusive. So it's just frustrating. But I think all in all, he's, he's obviously just sat back and thought, you know what, I might have to pipe it down a little bit now because... Yeah. Not only is it, if it, not, he's making a rod for his own back a little bit, but every time he keeps drip feeding stuff, you, you're going to get people, like I said earlier, messaging him and link, LinkedIn in him and all that. But I mean, it's not my sort of game, but people do what they got to do. But um, yeah, he's, it, it just it just makes people a lot more, what's the word am I looking for? A bit more apprehensive and just a bit more impatient because it sounds like it's round the corner, but I don't think it is. Um, but we've just got to wait and see, mate. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It's a, it's a long, hard waiting game. Uh, Macca uh, tweeted in saying, not long now, apparently sometime within the next 12 months. Uh, probably referencing that uh, LinkedIn fan, uh, message from Thomas Sangard to a fan saying he hopes to get it done within the next year. Uh, hopefully he was just sort of uh, sort of playing along with a little bit of a joke there. Ben uh, says, uh, not happening, mate. Brexit will reach a conclusion before we get a takeover done. Yeah, it is dragging on and on and on. As as Lewis mentioned, Lewis, as you mentioned earlier as well, you know, something else that's come up this week and is making it tougher for football clubs all over the place. And, you know, the National League were having a meeting today amongst themselves. EFL, we're, we're playing on. We're, we're playing with, with, with no fans. For the foreseeable future, now you know these the the current raft of uh, 
limitations that have been brought in for the government for general life are said to be lasting the next six months. Now, if that will bleed into the world of football and there's going to be no crowds for football, then you're talking about pretty much nearly the end of the season, you know, maybe a month or two left of the season to go before fans can go back at best so I mean this this could be big now everyone we've seen tweets from people who work within this club and people who've who've dealt with this situation at other clubs you know even Millwall you know you saw how much work they've done to to get ready to have fans back and it's all gone up in the air now it, it does sort of pose the question that is it unfair that you know you can go into a pub who oh you know pubs have done their work as well you know they they I've been to a few pubs since since every opened and there's there's you know shields up there's social distancing you know the hilltop up at up at Sidcup I've never been in such a regimented pub it was really well organised um there, there's a few different ones that that means they've been a few different rules they've brought in that means they've been able to get people in now football can do this and it's effectively outside as well so it does feel lewis that it's a little bit it's a little bit unfair and perhaps the rules could have been a bit more targeted definitely i think that the decision has been rushed in a bit of a panic with with the the strengthening of restrictions again i think that um, going back to Saturday, really, I, I I haven't felt safer in a in an environment post lockdown than I did at the Valley on Saturday. I thought it was extremely well organised. I thought the staff did an incredible job, considering the short turnaround they had. Um, you know, there was everything that you would need to feel COVID secure. You had temperature checks on the way in, social distancing in the queues. The concourses were closed, all but the toilets. There was a social distancing queue in there the seats were well spaced out and you wore a mask for 90 minutes. So I don't understand why you can sit in a pub and watch a game for 90 minutes until 10 PM with, you know, without a mask on, on, in a group of six on a table, probably not two meters away from the table next to you inside, but you can't sit outside where it's, you know, less likely to catch it anyway with a mask on watching your football club. I think that this all roots to, football fans being tarnished with a brush that we cause trouble and we can't be trusted. And I think Saturday shows that football fans can be trusted because they are so desperate to get back watching their football clubs and getting back to a, a bit of normality on a Saturday that you do what's required. You know, it, there wasn't a single bit of Saturday where you looked at any supporters and thought, oh, you know, maybe they're taking it you know, a bit overexcited, standing up, jumping around, no mask on seeing friends you know there were so many people there yeah I saw Tom but I didn't you know, we were sat completely separately I wasn't sat standing you know not even one person away from him chatting and catching up we were chatting from a safe social distance because that's what the club needed in front of officials to get this over the line so you just feel like all that hard work is going to get put to waste and there's no way that this can go on in a football sense until March because I heard an interview with Darren McAntony earlier at Peterborough that, you know, 19 out of the 24 clubs in, in League One could easily go bust. And to do that to an industry, especially in our country where the football ladder is, you know, is so well built up, you know, that some of the clubs that are in League Two, League One, all the way up to the Premier League have huge followings and they are huge football clubs and they are part of people's everyday lives. And what it does to people to not be able to go and see their football club as and when they want, regardless of restrictions, because ultimately we're not we don't get attendances right now that mean that there would be an issue with with capacity or anything. But you have to look at how it would affect people, and 
and you know it's different myself included like I I personally felt so good on Sunday after being able to go to the valley ignoring the result completely I felt personally really good that I was able to go there and blow off some steam from you know everyday life stress and now I potentially won't be able to do that until March and that will affect people you know it'll affect other people a lot more than it'll affect me as well and it's a concern financially for a lot of football clubs and it's a concern for supporters and I think that something has to be revisited in government um, before March, 100%. I think that I understand if they wanted to postpone some pilot events this weekend, but it would be frustrating for clubs like Millwall that have put all that effort into you know, the external turnstiles and everything to get fans in safely. That's a financial burden that they won't be able to get money back on now. And I think that they has, there has to be something put in place where a limited capacity can be allowed because you can go and watch uh, step, what is it, step six or whatever, but you can't go and see elite clubs and and I understand that step six is much more space and not really enclosed stadiums but ultimately you're still outside and it's a safe social distance so I don't really understand why it's not being given the opportunity to be tested further because I thought Saturday was a massive success on Charlton's behalf and it seems like Shrewsbury and and other clubs did very well with it as well Uh, and I think that it needs more if anything it needs more trials to prove that it works and that will save a hell of a lot of clubs, even if you are only letting in you know, 20% of people for the next couple of months and then increase it by 10% and then review it again in March. As long as there is some staggered return, then at least fans will have, you know, football clubs will have some financial income when it comes to gate receipts because they need it. It's over a third of most football clubs' revenue streams and a lot of football clubs are going to feel the effects of that if they can't bring any fans in in the next six months. Did you get that third stat from Katrine's rant from <laughs> from ages ago? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. But I think I think um, McAntony mentioned it earlier about you know how it's such a huge part of people's revenue when it comes to football clubs and season ticket sales. You know, alone for us, I mean, of course they're not as high as they would be usually because we're in League One and the ownership has played a part in people maybe holding on to see what happens. But there'd still be a good. What I think it's about, there were three thousand, three and a half thousand purchased before the before the uh, twenty one game season ticket went on sale or whatever, and there'll be people that purchased after that. So ultimately, that that's going to come back to supporters in the form of of the cash, so we can watch it on Valley Park. So there is there's still going to be a loss there, regardless of them selling the season tickets, because they've got to fork out in refunds of some extent to pay for people to watch it on Valley Pass anyway. So it's it's a big hit there you have to allow a percentage of fans in to watch it otherwise there's so many you know 60 to 70 percent of football clubs in this country will go will go belly you know will go bust and the football league system will collapse and they have to look at it properly and see that they're saying that it's less risk to catch it outdoors well then let outdoor sport continue and let fans you know let fans prove that it works like we did saturday and don't just brush it aside because politicians seem to think that football fans have this you know this sort of tag of being irresponsible and and brutish and getting drunk and stuff it just let people prove that it works like it did saturday and you know i'd i'd really be interested to see if anyone in that in that that made that decision actually even bothered reading any reports that were put forward from from how the charlton game went how the shrewsbury game went because if they'd have seen it then i think that they would have to agree that there is little to no chance of catching of catching COVID as long as you behave in the manner that the club enforced and everybody that was there Saturday 100% did that. Mm, yeah, I mean, talking obviously of, of, of brutish people who enjoy getting drunk, Nath. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yourself, obviously. Um, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 on, the only thing I could think, the only reason I could think why they might be be slightly concerned, you know, about a, 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 an industry that we saw on Saturday, you can get in and out of fairly socially distanced, is, is probably the travel to and from the games. But at the same time, they did give staggered arrival times, you know, because if, if, say, they got the crowd up to even four or 5,000 down in the valley, I imagine the trains an hour before kickoff would be reasonably busy. But it, it's, it's just a case of, it, like, why can't they just allow for staggered arrival times, tell as many people to drive if possible, which obviously is, isn't great for the environment, but in this in this current situation, probably better than everyone cramming onto trains. I mean, they, they, just little things like that, surely they could be overcome. Sure, surely there must be a way to work these things out. And I understand that in the current circumstances, you know, if you're trying to hammer home the message that you don't want people meeting up, then maybe it does make it difficult if you're getting a few thousand to go to go to football. But there, there, there must be a way to, you know, if we are going to be living with, with this thing for a while, which which may well be the case, and that there has to be that the, they have to be able to find the right balance rather than just cutting off everything. Surely. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, for me, I could go on for ages about how inconsistent the government is. I mean, I don't think it's the government have sort of looked at football in general and and think that we couldn't be, you know, we we misbehave brutishly or whatever the, the, the quote was. But I think it's just Boris going off on one, isn't he? I think he over just over exaggerating, not thinking things through. Um, you can understand, I think, as Lewis said earlier, if if you sort of postponed it for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. But if, if realistically, I honestly think that it won't be till March. I mean, when COVID first come around, I don't think there'd be football for probably until next year. Um, and that that and that came around. I think it, it'll all sort itself out. Everyone will calm down again. And um, it's just the, the inconsistency that really annoys me about you know how they go. Uh, we're going to give fifty percent off on food. Go and help yourself. Go and go out and go and enjoy yourself. And now it's like, oh no, you can't go out now. Yeah, you've caught COVID. It's like, come on, mate, do me a favour. But um, yeah, I mean, there, 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 there will be a way where they'll have to let it go because it's not only football clubs. It's it's the the not even the football club itself. It's the local economy. It's you know it's the travel, all the shops around it, um, mental well being, um, and that sort of stuff. So I think it'll it'll come around soon. But yeah, it's just it's just baffling to see why they've just said it might be six months. I can't envisage it being till March. I really can't. Um, maybe till December. I don't know. You don't know with all the cases that are coming in. Um, but I don't know. But is this, like, there's so many inconsistencies of it. It's just that I could go on for hours, but that's not really the the show for baffling on about um, <laughs> government policy. But yeah, we don't want to get you know too I mean? too too deep into <laughs> exactly. politics on this show, of course. But um, uh, I did listen to PMQs yesterday. They did seem to say that they they're going to see what packages they could put together for for sports club or certainly discuss it. So hopefully, I mean. Football clubs are massive, not just to the supporters, but to their communities as well. And we know, you know, we the the government has, you know, depending on your view on policy, but they've they've taken some action which they hope will try and save companies and stuff. Obviously, whether it's up to you, whether you decide whether it's good enough or not good enough. Um, but you know, you'd, you'd hope they do that for football clubs as well, right? Let's have a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be time to start to look ahead to Sunday's trip uh, up to Lincoln City. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's Joey. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. We're heading up to Lincoln City on Sunday. Don't forget the uh, game's uh, been moved back a day because they're playing Liverpool. Uh, was it probably kicking off in about five minutes in terms of time of recording? Uh, although obviously by the time you've listened, they, they would have kicked off. Um, hopefully Liverpool will be kicking them all over the pitch and uh, tiring them out for Sunday. Um, but they've had a great start to the season at Lincoln City, um, and I wanted to. Yeah, you know, it's the first time we've played them since uh, 1961 in the league. We played had a couple of cup games in in the 80s. I think we drew against them in the League Cup. Uh, and this was when it was a two-legged tie. So we played them twice in the, in the mid-80s. But the first league uh, tie since 1961. So we know absolutely nothing about Lincoln City other than the fact that they've got that cool imp on their badge. And I was Googling that last night. If you, the imp is actually up in the cathedral in Lincoln. So when COVID's all done, that's something I want to go and visit because it looked really cool. But anyway, I wanted to know a bit more about Lincoln City and uh, Michael Apperton's side. So I spoke to Mark Wiley uh, from the Lincolnshire Echo and asked him how the mood is after that decent start to the season uh, over at Sinsel Bank. Yeah, I mean, apart from the fact that obviously the fans can't get into games, there's a general mood of positivity about the team. They're playing some really good football. Michael Appleton's completely revamped the squad over the summer, 12 new signings, and they're playing some really nice football. And, and they've had a fantastic start. They've come through two rounds of the uh, Carabao Cup and, and now set to play Liverpool. Um, They've won on penalties in the EFL Trophy against uh, Scunthorpe and they've won the first two league games as well against tough opposition in, in Oxford and MK. So it couldn't have gone any better so far. Yeah, I mean, what were the ex- expectations like this year? Obviously, like last year was their first their first one back in League One and they were they were 16th as the... Well, they, they ended up 16th after the curtailment yeah. of, of the season. But you said, obviously, they, they've done a lot of business in, in the summer. What, what, what do you think are the aims for, for this season? Well, I think everyone was quite... Um, Encouraged, and I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of some of the signings. Like everybody else, the playing budget's been absolutely slashed, and even before the pandemic, they were looking to get the wage bill down and have a have a younger squad with with 
players they can develop and, and potentially sell on um, in the future. So I think with that in mind, there was optimism that they could certainly improve on last season. I think my pre-season prediction was about 11th. And I think, you know, I think top 10 is certainly doable. I, I still think playoffs would be pushing it a little bit. But I, I, I don't think they'll be in trouble at the bottom of the table, and uh, I certainly think they can push for the top ten. And how have the fans taken to, to Michael Appleton over the the last couple of years? Obviously, yeah, he's ma- massive boots to fill in the form of the of the Cowley brothers. Yeah, uh, the fans have really taken to him. Actually, a completely different character um, to Danny Cowley. And as you say, massive, massive beast to fill, but he's very much his own man. He, he's got a completely different way of playing, different types of players he wants. Um, he, he's very good from my point of view to deal with, just as, as Danny was really, but in, in a different way. Um, he's a very straightforward guy. You ask him a straight question, you get a straight answer. He's very open with the fans. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the fans have really bought into what he's trying to do and they can see the plan He's made it very clear what he wants to do, how he wants the team to play. Um, and I, I certainly think the fans have, have bought into that. There was a bit of um, there was a bit of a hangover from the Cowley's departure. Uh, they were a bit up and down last season as, as Appleton brought in his new players and changed the style of play. There was a few peaks and troughs. They had some great wins at home. They beat Sunderland and Peterborough and Ipswich, but the away, away form was pretty poor. But, um, as I say, he's changed the team and they're very much set up. I think they're going to be a good away team this season. They're very much set up to play on the counter-attack. And the teams have played so far, the two wins they had in the league, been against teams who've had a lot of possession. And, um, they uh, they break at pace. And uh, that, that, that's one of the main main weapons so far. Mm. And who are the danger men that the Addicts should be wary of on, on Sunday? Um... I would say uh, I mean, Liam Bridcutt's just come back into the side. He's kind of a talisman of the team. Uh, he came in on loan from Forest second half of last season and I was presently surprised that they managed to get him on a permanent deal. I mean, he spent most of his career uh, in the Championship, so he'll be sort of sitting in front of the back four. He's a very important player. Um, George Grant, one of the few players left from the Cowley era, he'll probably line up on the left of the front three. Very creative player. Um, dead ball specialist um, and, and he's been given more responsibility this season while well, he seems to be relishing it um, I really like James Jones who they brought in from crew goal scorer midfielder um, I imagine he'll weigh in with a few goals this season scored a cracker at Bradford in the League Cup last week um, but I mean, it's, I mean it's a bit of a cliche but no one's really stood head and shoulders above the rest this season it's been a bit of a team effort and He's tinkered with the team slightly. He's made a couple of changes for each game to try and freshen things up because obviously they've played a lot of games at the moment, Saturday, Tuesday, uh, so far. So, uh, And the players who've come in uh, have done well and they've got a couple of lads um, on loan from uh, from West Brom. Callum Morton, who did really well for Northampton last season, scored in the playoff final. Uh, striker and uh, Alex Palmer, the goalkeeper, has, has looked He's been immense so far. He's not uh, not put a foot wrong, mm. and he was in goal for Plymouth last season. They so got promoted. So, yeah, there's, there's a few there's a few players who, who've done well so far. I could probably reel off, you know, six or seven players who, who've had very good starts in the season. Mm. Now, of course, all the all, all the attention this week will, will have been on Liverpool. Um, you yeah. still still got to get that game out of the way before before our, our, our one on Sunday. But you know, how, how do you think Lincoln will go into this game? It's the first league meeting between the two sides since 1961, so clearly not of a lot of familiarity there. No. But 
Um, how, how do you think? You know, do, do you think they'll fear Charlton? Do you think they'll they'll look to take the game to them? I, I don't think it'll be interesting to see uh, how they play because I think the, the, the home game so far against Oxford, Oxford sort of dominated possession, had over six percent possession, but they didn't do a great deal with it. So I don't know how sort of how Charlton like to play, whether they like to dominate the ball. But if they do, I think that'll play into Lincoln's hands. But um, I, I think they'll they'll try and take the game to Charlton where they can. They probably won't fear Charlton, probably respect them, but they won't fear them. Um, and after the start of May, there'll be a, a lot of confidence. I mean, if they were to do well against Liverpool, I mean, I wouldn't expect them to beat Liverpool, but if they can put in a respectable performance, um, I think they'll go into the Charlton game with sort of full of confidence. There we go, Mark Wiley from the Lincolnshire Echo. Uh, like I say at time of recording, he'll be uh, he'll be at Sinsel Bank watching them watching them take on uh, Liverpool. Uh, so by the time of recording, hopefully we find out they uh, lost 10-0 and, and lost every single player to injury somehow. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously it's, it's been a great start to the season, Lewis, for the Imps. And, you know, second season in League One, I imagine they'll, they'll be going into this game looking at us beaten by Doncaster last week with a fair bit of confidence. Yeah, definitely. Um, they've, they've been a side that have, have started the season strongly came up last season and did okay and, and they got a good result last weekend against MK Dons and yeah they've got some um, some decent players in there they sat comfortably and what well, I say comfortably is quite early on isn't it but they sat second at the moment and unbeaten so that's that's an achievement really and you know Michael Appleton as well is a, is a manager who's sort of been around a bit and has got quite a bit of experience at this level I think he's been at Oxford and he's been at a few other places as well and and has been one of those managers that's kind of sort of at one point in his career, was hovering around, you know, pushing for the bottom half of the Premier League almost. I think he was in charge at Blackburn at a point too. And he'll he'll have a lot of experience and, and there'll be a side that will want to, you know, they've, they've sort of done the bit of, of staying in the division last year and they had a really sort of impressive season when they were promoted from League Two as well. So they'll probably be looking at, at where they can improve to try and maybe push for the top six this year or a top half finish and... We'll have to sort of be at our best and, and play a lot better than we did Saturday. Um, I think we had promising spells in the first half Saturday, but our defensive frailties were, were you know, they were sort of there for all to see. Once once we'd gone one down, we sort of fell apart. So we're going to have to try and bounce back. I think that at least they're they're playing Liverpool tonight. I mean, there'll be some tired legs in that Lincoln squad on on Sunday, and hopefully, we'll you know we'll be in a position where we can go up there and. And try and get something out of the game because the first the first performance of the season against Crew, I thought we we looked quite good, and it's just a uh, you know I think maybe I don't know, the pressure of having the fans back in on Saturday really played a part. I just think that Doncaster were 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 better than us overall, so there'll be a lot of work done this week, and I think you know at the moment in terms of changes we can't really make a huge amount because we haven't got any players so we'll be Bay will be sort of relying heavily on those players um you know kicking on and learning from the mistakes and he'll want to see a reaction from the boys on Sunday and um hopefully we can we can go out there grind out a decent result yeah Nathan as as we heard there from Mark obviously um they they've they've made quite a few signings in the summer Lincoln City but sometimes you get those where where where, where teams don't really gel but obviously Lincoln have, have kicked off really well um I, I i wonder another team that, that that's come off of this six month break it's interesting to see how how different sides react to that as well and because you know many, many of those players won't have been able to play any football in that time where I, do, do you think us actually playing in that time has made any difference at all to how we started and how other teams have started i, I mean i don't think results have really stood that theory up but do, do you think that could have an effect 
Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, for th this season's so weird. I mean, even if you look to um, if if you look at the Premier League and the result that the other lot down the road got against Man United the other day, you can see that it's teams that, that the first sort of three, three, four games, no one's really going to be on par. Even at Liverpool, you know, when they played Leeds, I know Leeds gave a really good game, but no one looks sharp. Um, and, you know, looked at us against Crew, and then you looked at us against Donny for the first 20 minutes until they scored, and then we were two different sides. I think it. I think that it's going to take a few games for it to come back in because they've not had a full pre-season. No team has, really. Um, and you're using cup games as the sort of friendlies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really going to be getting too, too down about sort of uh, it's at least five, six games because it's going to take for a while to get people in the swing of things. And then you've got the transfer window in October as well. So it, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I just think for the first few games, it just depends which team turns up. I mean, for all we know, we can go and pump Lincoln 4-0 and it would be like, you know, it'd be on form, like they've had a decent start and they've got some good, they've signed some good players that like you said. But I just think this season, it's so it's so diff difficult to gauge uh, for, for every league, so not, not even just League One, even gone up to the higher echelons of the Premier League. So um, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference, no. But I just think uh, at least one thing we've got is that we know we're probably more than likely going to have the same 11 every week. <laughs> so, I mean, we ain't got much choice with that. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tricky game. Um, but I'm not really going to get delve too much and start jumping out of windows yet until, you know, at least five, six games in, maybe after the Sunderland game, get that one out of the way. All right, so you, you've penciled in when you plan on starting jumping out of windows. <laughs> it's got to that stage already. Uh, I prefer early lockdown when you were just staring at trees. But, um, <laughs> talk it, talk it to the trees, will I? Yeah, yeah although, I, I imagine you still do that. But, no uh, comment. Well, <laughs> uh, I actually bought myself a ladder this week purely so I can go and cut down the top of my tree, but I, I won't, I won't oh, get into you? the... I won't get into the excitement of me buying a ladder this week. <laughs> it did it did arrive today though, and I was very excited because I've never owned a ladder before. But that's that's one of the things when you move when you when you move house and you actually Amazon have your own Prime, tree. mate, isn't it? It's great yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Amazing. Oh yeah. Amazon excellent, Prime. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Now I now I'm the proud owner of a ladder. <laughs> anyway, let's 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 cut, get away from that excitement, Lewis, and concentrate on the game again. I mean, Nathan mentioned it there, Lou. That obviously. Um, but we we haven't got much room for manoeuvrability at the moment. Bo was scathing, wasn't he, after the uh, after the game against Doncaster? You would have heard it on, on on Sunday's pod about how the almost as if the players are getting a little bit too comfortable because they know there's not really too many of them who can be dropped because otherwise Nathan will be in the team basically, you know, tree jumping out of tree injuries or not. So uh it's time for those players who perhaps would have been dropped to react i guess this week that'll be what Bayer's is hoping for from them definitely yeah there's players that were on the bench last week that you know i'd like to see pushing to try and get in that side you know johnny williams was on the bench but maybe through the fact that he might not be 100% fit yet he didn't get a huge amount of football at the at the back end of last season so we know his injury record so he's probably adjusting but Aaron Ostrom is someone i'd like to see coming and be given a go because he really impressed me uh, uh, when we played Wimbledon and I thought he had a decent game uh, at Swindon as well and he's someone that we've seen not in a Charlton shirt so much but in for Walsall especially against us but at this level uh, has has a lot of a lot of quality and ability and I'd like I'd like to see him come into the side and and be given an opportunity to show what he can do because I just think that he hasn't quite had the opportunity yet 
But when he first came in, you look back at the Forest game last year, almost a year ago, well, over a year ago now, he was unbelievable. I think we were in general that game in the first half, but he, he looked really, really good. And given, you know, we all know that he's quite short and, and he probably can be knocked off the ball quite easily, but he does find these little pockets of space and he can score goals and he can he can open up play. He's a good passer of the ball. I'd like to see him given an opportunity. And I, I just think that there is there is room in there. I don't think anyone can really feel safe in that 11, regardless of the, the issues with the squad size. I think that there were a few below par, um, below par performances on, on Saturday. Um, I can forgive Prattley because he's been played out of position and he's been so reliable for so long. Um, I thought Ben Perrington was beaten too easy um, for the John Jules goal. I thought that Alfie Doughty probably had his worst game in a Charlton shirt. Um, I thought he looked a little bit off it. I didn't see a huge amount of Macaulay Bond either, and we're you know we're looking for him uh, for goals. Really, I was impressed with Connor Washington. I think that's two and two for him. So I think that he's he's settled in quite well. And Alex Gilby had a couple of good opportunities as well. So I'd say that those two have done themselves no no harm whatsoever. But I think with you know Jake Forster Kasky potentially Al B as well. And Alfie could maybe see some time out of the team this weekend if he does really change it up. Um, I do think Alfie's probably too important to take out at the moment, but his his performance on Saturday wasn't to the levels that we've grown to see from him so far. So whether he drops out and Johnny maybe starts on the wing or, or if he gives Oz a, a, a go as well, I think there are, there are changes to be made. Um, but as, as you've touched on already, we really haven't got a huge amount of options. So... He's not going to ring any wholesale changes. Um, maybe he'll look at changing shape to try and make it work for the personnel that might have missed out on Saturday. But ultimately, we've we've got a squad to work with, and it's not it's not a big one. So any changes really are going to be kind of minute, and we're just going to be relying on those players coming off the bench and making an impact and trying to stake their claim to get a starting spot more often. What about Charlie Barker, Nath? What do you reckon? Obviously, he started so well, but you know, seventeen year old, we don't want to be overplaying him at this stage. Um, had his most difficult game yet against Doncaster, where obviously he scored the own goal. So he started off okay in that game, but then as as Doncaster started to take control of the game, then he, along with everyone else in the team, faded. I'm not saying he played particularly badly, but we were under pressure in that game. And, and, and as we said, he went and scored the own goal. And and in, in any normal circumstance, you don't keep a 17-year-old in the firing line for too long. I'm, I'm just trying to work out if he did take Charlie out, maybe Pratt's could drop into the, the defence. And then there's you know the, the, there's the likes of Levitt or Lapsley uh, or even Vennings or, or, or Stimmer who can all come into the midfield. So that there are choices on that bench uh, along with Johnny Williams as well, actually, who who could fill some gaps around his. Do you, do you think that's a decision Lee Bayer may have to make? He might have to because, uh, but then again, unless you play Lapo there, um, uh, it's hard for him really. I mean, with with Charlie, it's right. I mean, we're coming up again another team who are really aggressive, really physical. We've got some big players in there like. Joe Walsh and Jason Shackle and they've got some big big players so you don't want to be, and especially after last week we lost to scored an own goal it's so easy for a kid that young for him to crumble so it's a case of now does he take him out and protect him or does he go sink or swim um, and I think the problem with playing Charlie at right back um, which it feeds into the for me in my opinion is that the Ostom are problem which I've said many times how much I, I like him as a player, but the, the difficulty is, is when you play against teams who play with a box and they'll mark him out the game, what they'll do is they'll just force you out wide 
And then if you look at our fullbacks offering our width, which is Ben Parent, who don't like going forward or can't do anything going forward, in my opinion. And then you've got Charlie Barker, who's a natural centre-half. So what you saw on Saturday is Doncaster just let them two have it. Go on, go on, then do what you've got to do. And what did they do? That's come back every time. So I think that's the dilemma that Bose is going to have. So for me, I would I would put Lapper right back. I know it's not his natural position, but at least he gives you a bit of energy and a little bit more technical ability going forward. But um, that's what I would do. And I'd probably keep Deji and Pratt there for now. Um, but because, but I mean, if it stays as it is, he's going to play more games without a doubt, Charlie. Um, and it's not going to do him any any harm. But I mean, the, I think Bo's already come out and said that the, the the plan was for him, you know, to get some under twenty three minutes this year um, before the season kicked off. And then with obviously Piercy being injured, and then all these other the players that were lined up supposedly and they're not coming in at the moment. Um, he's having to play him, but it's picking it's picking the um, it's picking the games that he can play because we've got no natural right back. You know, I know Charlie can play there, but if you've never if you've never been a natural right back, it's hard to just slot in there, you know. So it's a difficult one for Bose, but he's got what else can he do? You know, there's there's not much else he can do. So the only thing I can think of is they have to play Charlie in the games that he probably think he's got more chance to win in the, his individual battles because if he gets bullied and he's not playing well, what are you gonna do? Just take him off. You know what I mean? I mean, what if you're 2 0 down after half an hour and he's getting bullied? Put, like push left, right, and centre. Are you just going to bring him off after hour, after half an hour? It's not going to do him any good, is it? So I think he's just got to be careful with Charlie. Um, but I mean, Charlie's showed sign of being very comfortable, being assured. You know, the crew game and the the cup game. But I think it's just Bose's picking the picking the right times for Charlie to play and where to play him. Excellent stuff. Right, a couple more tweets came in on the game. John Cooper said, obviously, want the lads to get three points. Uh, but in my mindset, the matches and results at present pale into insignificance at the Warrior of the Club going under if a deal cannot be reached to rid us of the poison we've endured for far too long. Yeah, good point there, uh, John. And uh, MICAFC says, uh, I'm sure that Bo will just watch tonight and then copy what Jurgen Klopp does. Uh, can't see a problem. We've both got the same depth in our squads. Well, at least we've got the same colour shirts. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we could only wish to have the same depth that Liverpool have um they're playing Virgil van Dijk in a cup game at Lincoln they're obviously taking that one quite seriously right we've almost run out of time uh, on the big match preview let's just get some predictions then ahead of uh, ahead of Sunday Nathan how do you see it going uh, uh I reckon I'm gonna go for a one or draw yeah better than nothing yeah yeah better than it's yeah it's not the most positive of results but I think uh, after after the, the 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 performance that we had after um, when they scored, because I think before before they Doncaster scored, I thought we were absolutely brilliant, I and mean, it was just we just seemed to lose our heads after that. Um, but I think if we come out and start fast, it, it should be all right. I think if we start shaky again, because they're on and up, depending on the result tonight. Imagine if they get a draw or something tonight. Imagine what they're going to be on cloud nine. They'll have another. Hundred and ten percent, if that's possible, in their tank. Well, they've so, just got they've just gone one 0 down after nine minutes, yeah. actually. Uh, Shakiri, so yeah, battering <laughs> Liverpool. Do them, do them, go for the kill. <laughs> but yeah, I reckon I reckon we'll get a, a, a nice little one all sort of cagey, aggressive away performance. Nice. And Lewis, how do you see it going? I think it's got a draw written all over it. I think they'll they'll be tired from from today, but I think they'll probably have enough to, they'll go one up on us, I think, and we'll we'll fight back in the second half and equalise. Um, but I'd take a point, to be fair, because they've started strongly. So, yeah, I'm going to go, I'll go one all as well, actually. 
Excellent stuff. Right, we've uh, come to the end of uh, this week's big match preview. Thanks to all of you who have listened. Don't forget, we'll be back on Sunday. It won't be me because I'll be making my way back from uh, Lincoln, but Tom will be hosting Sunday's pod uh, with all the uh, hot re- the uh, the reaction, hot off the press uh, from the, uh, or it could be hot reaction, depending on who's doing it, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, the uh, Hot off the press, the reaction from the game at Lincoln. Uh, so don't forget to get your tweets and emails in after the game because Tom will, uh, will read them out on the show. So make sure you do that. Um, thank you to Nathan and to Lewis for joining me on this week's big match preview. No Cheers, worries, mate. A Cheers, very mate. a very hot big match preview, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, I've been Lou Mendes. Thanks for listening. Uh, Charlton Live will be back here on Sunday evening. We'll see you later. of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.